the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. We're together each and every day from 3 to 5, talking about the issues of the day from a Christian perspective. It is Christmas time, of course, and you know one of the words that we use a lot at Christmas is favor or great favor. You know, whenever the angel appeared to Mary, the angel came to her and said, uh, greetings, favored one. And the translations phrase it differently, every one of them, but they all say the word favor. You know, the Lord is with you. There is great favor upon you. Have you ever thought about what that really means? And what does that mean even in the context of the world that we're living in today that is very, very challenging? Well, with me today in the studio is Kinthea Fergus, and she's the author of a new book where the title is Favor. And uh, Kinthea, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you. Great to have you with us today, Kinthea. You know, this word favor, we hear it a lot at Christmas time. And, you know, the scriptures have a lot of verses where they're talking about the word favor, don't they? Yes, there are quite a few words that are used, including rewards and blessings and favor. And then it gets more specific about protections and even wisdom beyond our enemies and all these benefits that we have as God's children. Yeah. So what does it mean? So when we talk about favor, the God's favor rests upon you, or God will give blessings or give favor to his people. You know, I think it's important that we understand that because if we just leave it alone and we leave it there, some people have, you know, Christians have taken that to mean, well, if I pray enough, if I have enough faith, then God will bestow upon me a great big house, or God will bestow upon me, you know, a a Ferrari or and it it turns into something where I can earn God's favor for my own personal benefit. Some people have gone that way, or other people have looked at it and said, you know, why does why do I still have to deal with the difficulties of this world uh, if God has favor on me? So how do we deal with that word scripturally? What does God mean? Well, His favor is for his, for God's children, and I think that's the first thing we have to understand that he bestows blessings and favors and protections and all these beautiful promises for God's children. And he wants to give us favor. He wants us to fight his battles and he wants us to win. And he wants to bring glory to the kingdom and he wants to grow the kingdom. So he's giving us favor in these challenging times so that we will um, do his will for his kingdom when we uh when we think about that that kind of favor so we want to do the will in his kingdom we're living in in times that are different i think we have as americans in particular we've had great favor on our country i think that we have been blessed beyond measure historically uh, i was watching the news and uh, some of the people who are coming over the border you know illegally you know it's interesting to see all these people from con- different countries around the world who are coming here 
and they're coming here because there is great opportunity and potential. Even still now in this difficult time, that's still the the picture of us. But that's not something that's guaranteed to last forever. Well, we live in challenging times, like you said, and these are very difficult times. And this is sort of Satan's last stand. This is his, he knows his time is short, and he is um, trying to create a superpower, and then he wants to crown himself king of it. And so he is now laying the groundwork for creating this world economic superpower. But God promises rewards and favor like shelter, rescue, authority over Satan, crushing him under our feet so that we will have everything we need at this time. Um, so these times are difficult, but we can trust that he will watch over us, protect us, and enable us through the power of the Holy Spirit working within us to... Um, live a blameless life, to be just and righteous. And these are the things that bring, elicit his favor. That it matters how we live our life. Now, you know, we talk so much about in Christian circles about being saved and how you have grace and uh, you don't earn your salvation. But we are still called upon to live a life worthy of that salvation, a life worthy of the grace that we have received. And, you know, I can tell you as a pastor and as a Christian that people who do that, it seems like they have more favor. It doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to them, but it seems like they persevere through the difficult times or particularly what I would say are the spiritually challenging times. And that's something that I think what you're saying in your book is that um, spiritually challenging times are upon us, maybe in ways that we haven't seen. And the favor of God is something that we can hold on to that we can look forward to when we're following him. Is that right? Like, how does, this, how does this fit in with the idea of what's really happening in the world spiritually? Well, if we look at the lives of the Hall of Fame of saints who are mentioned in Hebrews, mm-hmm. they all were tested. They went through difficult things. Uh, Joseph was imprisoned, and uh, Moses went through so many trials, and yet they were able to fulfill God's purpose and do what God wanted them to do. Someone could even say, well, look at Cain and Abel. I mean, Abel died. But it says in the scriptures that he speaks to us today hmm. because what he survived, what he overcame, and when we look at the lives of the saints too, they're very relevant. How did they pass these trials? Or how did Stephen, he was stoned to death, the first martyr, but he prayed for forgiveness for the people who were stoning him, and he overcame it. So I think that there will be people that suffer many different things, including death, but they have God's favor to get through it. They have his empowering uh, strength and endurance and perseverance, and mm-hmm. they become overcomers. And it's important to remember that if, you know, and there are a lot of Christian martyrs today, but what the worst thing that happens to you as a follower of Jesus, is you die and go be with Jesus, you know, forever. And there's a mindset behind that that gives you some confidence. So, you know, when we look at what's happening in the world today, just things in the news right now, the war in Israel, the massive uh, 
I think, display of anti-Semitism that we see in our country and around the world in different places today that has surprised a lot of people. The increase in crime, the increase in drug use, the um, the issues that we are seeing and that divide us, uh, gender issues, all of these things. When I have these discussions with people, even people who aren't Christian people, they tend to go to this place. They say, this is something spiritual. This doesn't seem to make any sense. They're right, aren't they? This is something spiritual. And we have to look at this through the lens of, of that. Yes, this is spiritual warfare. Um, this is Satan's attack on vulnerable people, on God's people, on Jewish people who are God's people and Christians. And um, we've even seen, you know, uh, something like 89% of African-American people self-profess to be Christians. Mm -hmm. And we see that they are continually marginalized and have a history of persecution. And so this is Satan's work targeting God's people, Christian and Jewish. And I think that that means that we really need to stick together, to unite, to pray together, work together together to try to fight and overcome evil. And if we don't know about God's favor, we're going to be afraid to do it. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Kinthea Fergus, and uh, she is the author of a new book called Favor in Challenging Times. And, you know, she you've heard her on our station before, on our show before. She's been in a lot of our events. She wrote another book called Injustice Foretold. And uh, maybe some people are recognizing you as the injustice lady, not because you are unjust, um, but because this is a, a a powerful topic for you to talk about, and it's one that is in the scripture all the way through. So when we think about the injustice that we see, and I want to be real clear here, there's, you know, there's a difference between a modern sort of uh, what we call sec, uh, social justice versus biblical justice. There's something different. Justice is a word that I think also the devil uh, tries to pervert into something that it's not. But uh, what is the injustice that you're talking about, and how does it fit in with God's favor? Well, Jesus introduced this concept of a time of lawlessness. And he said in the Olivet Discourse, he said it as a cause and effect. Because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. And Jesus introduced this time as being a sign of his return, one of the earlier signs. The later signs are that we're going to get down to four countries and then from four to one, Mm. and then the Antichrist will appear. But um, lawlessness is injustice in the Bible. And we know that because it's juxtaposed in the scriptures against um, righteousness and justice. So he says, do not be yoked by unbelievers, because what do righteousness and justice have in common with lawlessness? Mm. They're like night and dark. Or he said about David and Jesus, you have loved righteousness and justice, but hated lawlessness. So when they're opposites in the scripture, from that we figured out that lawlessness is injustice. And so we're in this period of grave injustice, oppression, uh, changes in laws, manipulation of laws. Lawlessness means unlawful activities, too, Mm -hmm. crimes, and crimes committed by large groups. So this is a time that is new in a sense that lawlessness always existed. But now, Jesus says, it's rising lawlessness. It's abounding lawlessness. And this is what we also see 
as um, the unlawful criminal activity of syndicates and cartels, like what's happening at the border. And um, that's rising. And now we're at a point where we can kind of see how this one world government is starting to take over, you know, and attack the U.S., cause it to implode, and even Israel now, and other countries that have been um, overtaken by by the by lawlessness. The um, you know the lawlessness that I and that's what people are seeing. You know, like you said, there's always been crimes. There's always been people who do stuff, right? But it used to be that you could be pretty sure that most of the time they were going to get caught, and when they get caught, there would be some level of justice being done. But we're at a time now where. We're even saying openly in some ways that we're not going to arrest you or we're not going to to hold you accountable. And the, and the troubling thing is, whatever the argument is in favor of doing that, somebody is at the loss, right? There has been, you know, somebody has had their stuff stolen or their place broken into or they've suffered personal harm. And sometimes you get the answer, oh, there's insurance. No, but the insurance rates then go up, which means the prices go up for everybody, right? It doesn't, the whole system begins to fall apart. And I think people are wondering and and concerned about this in such a way that they have tremendous fear. And I think that's where favor comes in. It, to get us back to, to that subject is we fear a lot. We we learned that in the COVID, right? That we are a a fearful people. I don't think we might have said that to the same extent that we did. Uh, we shut down very, very easily. Uh, there are still people who are terrified um, by lots of different things. And it gave government a lot of power. And it gave rise to a lot of philosophies that were below the surface, but now they're right on top of the surface. What does that mean for Christians? How do we rely on God's favor? What do we actively do to say, to understand God's favor and to rely on it? I think the first thing that we can do is introspect as Christians. We can look at our own lives and ask, are, am I just? Am I fair? Am I righteous? Um, because he says uh, in Psalm 512, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous, righteous and just. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. And he also, David prayed in Psalm ninety seventeen, May the favor of our God rest upon us. Establish the works of our hands for us. Yes, establish the works of our hands. Also in Psalm 8411, he says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. So it's how we live our lives and how they align with the scriptures and the commandments and the statutes. And we have to um, be obedient yeah. to God. But he then can use us, and we have his favor when he uses us. It's something that I think gets lost is that our behavior actually matters as far as our playing time that we get in the kingdom of God, right? Yeah. In uh, to use a sports analogy, when we're not walking with the Lord, maybe if we're, if we're still saved, you know, at some point you got to ask yourself, are you really saved, right? Do I really believe Jesus rose? Do I really love him? Do you know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So the way we live our life is a reflection of what we actually believe. That's true with anything. Um, but there's also tremendous joy in being used by God within the realm of people that he's placed us in or with the work that he has given us to do. And I think when Christians sometimes feel like they're not being used, well, maybe it's because we're not confessing our sin. Maybe we're on the bench. I think that 
he's looking for people like Abraham. I remember about Abraham. Every time God told him to do something, it says, then he woke up in the morning and he did it first thing. And I think we have to react Mm. when God uh, prompts us to do something. Mm. And that's not always easy. I went through a phase when I would also say, you know, Lord, are you sure? Is this what I'm supposed to do? Do you want me to do that? And I would question and kind of waste time that way. And I think we need to just really be receptive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he tells us what to do and he guides us. And it's only through the Holy Spirit that we can even walk a life that God calls blameless. And then that, in turn, elicits his favor. So his favor shouldn't be confused as a way to earn our way to heaven. Mm -hmm. His favor is a way that we receive his rewards. And and how that's applicable here, even in our life. How do we have the favor of God, you know, in our life today? Well, you have it by doing His will, right? And that would make sense, right? You know, how do you have the favor of your parents? Well, you obey your parents, right? That's yeah. as a kid. How do you how do you drop out of favor with your parents? Well, you don't do what they say. You know, right. you disrespect them. Doesn't mean they don't love you. Doesn't mean you know. But that's something I think that maybe you have to experience. We were talking before about spiritual things that we've gone through. And something you learn is how great it is on the other side when you trust God and you persevere and you just do what he wants you to do. It's hard in the middle. Right. Well, there's a lot of Bible verses about who his children are. And they are those who trust him. They are those who lean into him. They are those who turn to him. They are those who uh, seek shelter from him. So I think that we have to be children of God. And there are two types of children Especially right now, people are going to be forced to choose. There's not going to be a neutral area. Later on, the Antichrist will come. We'll have to take the mark of the beast, and we're going to have to choose. Mm -hmm. There's God's children, and then there's the children of the devil. And he says, these are the people that are willing to do his will. And his will is he's, it says in that Bible verse, he is the father of lies and a murderer from the beginning. So... Do we want, are we willing to reject evil? Do we hate evil? Do we fight against evil? I think Eric Metaxas's book did a great job of saying, let's not be silent in the face of evil like the German church was. Mm -hmm. And we have to react to evil. And there's a time now. And the thing is, is that we, at some point, the Lord's plan is going to culminate, right? There will be, as prophesied, uh, everything in the end times is going to happen. But in the meantime, um, we don't know when that's going to happen. That could be a thousand years from now. We might be on the cusp of a great revival. Right. And the way we get there is by obeying God, by speaking up about the truth. Because our purposes in this and the favor that God has on us is so that other people will believe. Yes. Right? So that they get to go to heaven. Because you know, we're going to meet Jesus, all of us, eventually whatever the plan is. Well, there's a powerful work we can do in the church because the apostate are there and we know they're going to fall away, but we can preach to the apostate. We can we can win them over to God's yeah. kingdom. So there's a lot of work that we can do in the world. It says that we one of his favor forms of favor is we will be a witness to the world because of our love and justice. Yeah. And um the world's going to notice that Christians are reacting differently to this. We won't be as afraid. We'll be more courageous, and we will fight for what's right. And history has shown that that has been the best time for the church, uh, dark times, because the Christians do 
uh, people see the favor of God on those who are following God, and it's very attractive. We just have a, a minute left. How do people get your new book, Favor in Challenging Times? How do they get it? Um, it's at my west website, injusticefortold.com. Okay, injusticefortold.com. Yes. That's the website. And I also wanted to mention just that since we're in the time of Hanukkah, that this is there's a powerful blessing for people when they bless Israel and they pray for peace in Jerusalem and pray that the Antichrist does not come in the winter or the Sabbath. That's the one thing that Jesus said to pray for in the Olivet Discourse. And he says he will plunder those who plunder Israel. And you see what's happening there now. And these are evil forces yeah. that are plundering you know, Israel. So there's a great blessing there. There is a lot that we need to stand up for. Well, we have more to talk about, but we're, we're out of time for today. Kinthea Fergus, thank you for joining me on the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, and the new book is Favor in Challenging Times. You can get it at injusticefortold.com. Kinthea, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. God bless. God bless. All right, everybody, we'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, great to be with you today. 888-528-2557. I don't know why I was thinking this just now, but do you have any Christmas songs that you think should be banned? Like, get rid of them for this year. You're done. You don't want to hear it anymore. Let's not have that song again. I don't know what possibly made me think that uh, right at this moment, but, uh, you know, there's a few, there's a few that uh, uh, maybe we're just done with, right? Maybe we don't need to sing that. Got any thoughts about that? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. In saying that, I am not done with the season. I am fine with the season. I'm I am actually very excited about the season. I think that uh, we are... Uh, you know, this is uh, lots of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm a Christmas Eve shopper, so I still have not done my shopping. Although, last night I was going to do some shopping. And I actually went to, and that would have been, what, the 19th. I actually went to the mall. Uh, I found one of those near my house, and I went there. And I was in the parking lot, and Christy calls me, and she goes, Are you coming home to go Christmas caroling? Uh, no, I'm at the mall, <laughs> I'm at the mall, uh, to, uh, do Christmas shopping. We, we had, uh, we had talked about that. Uh, and you know, so I, uh, left to go back to do Christmas shopping because that's what, or I mean to do uh caroling. I did not go Christmas shopping. Uh, I kind of had it in my head. Actually, I didn't even know there was Christmas caroling. And I only say that, and I say that because I'm, because it's true, that was not on my schedule or my mind, but I'm sure I was told about it at some point. And I probably said, sure, we'll go to that. Well, uh, that was last night. So we did that. I, I did not do any Christmas shopping. So here we are. It's the 20th, and I still have uh, all the shopping still left to do. And I did go Christmas caroling. It was all right. You know, kind of rain, kept that a little short. Can't say I complained about that. Uh, but, uh, you know, the hard part about Christmas caroling to me is actually it's harder sometimes when people are caroling to you. Like when people come to my door, like I appreciate it, but you don't know where to look. Like all these people are singing at you and they're standing there. What do you, who do you look at? How do you do that? It's like when people sing happy birthday to you. To you, Like at some point you realize I don't know where to look during this. And then the, then it just keeps on going. Anyway, I don't know. I'm not really in that kind of mood. I don't know where that, that came up. Anyway, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Probably the rain. 
outside, you know, is uh, is changing mood. 888-528-2557, Pastor Scott Show. Don in Playa Vista, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yeah, hi, Scott. Um, I, in that interview with that lady, I think she's way off. Um, in the last uh, the last segment, what, you're not, uh, you don't like what uh, she had to say? Why is that? I think it's petty, what she's, she's looking at. Uh, I think the real lawlessness is coming from the top. And uh, I think that, you know, for instance, I think Donald Trump and Israel are, are heading for a fatal attraction right now. They both have the same attitude toward the, the law, the international law. What she's talking about is work. biblical lawlessness that is would include everybody and everything, ultimately, that the entire society is uh, collapsing. I mean, we, you, well, yes, when you look at today, we've got, that, we're going to talk but, about it next hour, but uh, a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen legally with a lot of stuff here, and it goes way beyond Donald Trump or other stuff. You know, well, yeah, but, it, but they, in the, according to the Bible, it's always when an evil king ascends to the throne that the nation goes dark. So like a, like a Disney movie, you know, and when a good king comes back, the, the, everything blooms again, that kind of thing. And that's the problem is that the people that we alienize as being the victims and as the righteous and virtuous people are not. They are not in any way, shape, or form. Right now, Israel is getting its head handed to itself, and in Hamas, they've drawn them into a big. Yep. I, I don't think so. I think uh, it's probably going to be the other way uh, no, with all that. Really you know, Don, biblically speaking, I would head into lawlessness. Uh, certainly, leadership has something to do with it, but you also have the lawlessness of the people. It's the people. And in fact, in our country, sure. if you're going to look at it that way, we the leaders we get are the leaders we deserve in a well, yeah, republic no like ours. No so the lawlessness doesn't come from the leadership. It comes from us. See, I that's that's what I think. Much. I think I mean, you're going to find that to be a biblical view. It's a little off from where we were, we were, Don. I appreciate your call on, on that. Uh, but I would go back to the lawlessness in the Scriptures that is coming from the devil ultimately. Second Thessalonians 2, for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. Now, this is 2,000 years ago. Uh, but the one who holds, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And when the lawless one will be revealed, ultimately there is an antichrist lawlessness whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. It is, there will be a lawless one, an antichrist at some point, but the spirit of lawlessness is already happening. You know, when we're, we're looking at so much in this world today, um, I was looking at, just the car thefts here in Southern California and the Lissette, something like just South LA, city of LA, South LA, over 16,000 this year, car thefts. And you know why those things are increasing? Uh, it's increasing because uh, of lawlessness, because we don't even arrest people for crimes, well, lots of crimes. Anyway, uh, I'm trying not to be grumpy here, and then we get a grumpy thing. And I, and I said, what are some Christmas songs that we want to be banned? And uh, Elizabeth, she uh, she called in and then she dropped. But she said, from Elizabeth from Santa Ana, Jingle Bell Rock needs to be banned. Okay, so she's done with uh, <laughs> with Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell Rock. That's, a, that's all right, but uh, you're done with that one. Huh? Are there other Christmas songs that you're just done with? I don't mean this to be cynical, but, you know, maybe we can take a pause. You know, when you go to 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. You know, when you uh, you go to church, and if you got a hymn book in your church, you probably do somewhere, and uh, go look at that hymn book. You know how many hymns are in there? There's like 800. 
some of them are readings and maybe some of them, but there's 800 hymns. How many of those do you actually, in your life, have you actually sung? Uh, not very many, actually. And most of them you haven't sung since you were a little kid. If, you, if you're really old, if you were like, you know, 80 years old and you can go in that hymn book and you can say, well, Pastor Scott, I've sung most of them. Well, that's possible that you've sung most of them, but you haven't sung most of them forever. Like in the past year, I'll bet you sung less than 30 out of that book, 35. You get 52 Sundays, you know, four or five songs maybe. In a, you know, how many? You repeat a lot of them. Sometimes you do like a Sunday night service or something where you or a hymn sing and you talk about the hymns, you know, and you might sing some, but most of those songs you probably don't even know. I don't even know. And I come from a musical family. I don't know if you know, my mother is an opera singer. I went to operas as a kid. I, in fact, I was in an opera one time. In fact, I got in trouble at an opera one time because I stood up in the bank and I shouted, you sank my battleship, which my friends thought was hilarious. My, uh, my mother didn't hear it. She was on the stage. My dad was not terribly pleased, although I think secretly he thought it was very funny. Uh, and it just seemed like it was necessary to say that as a kid because there was a commercial with all of that. 888-528-2557. It's an interesting thing about music is that it does change. And I've been, I've been thinking about that, though, this year with Christmas songs because a lot of the songs that I enjoy or that are still around, they have been around forever, right? There's a bunch of songs that we keep singing. Obviously, the classic Christmas hymns, you know, are very, very significant. But the... You know, even just versions of those songs, you know, uh, the Christmas song, the Nat King Cole version of it, probably number one, right? Uh, the Mel Torme wrote that song. He's got a version of it, but it's probably not as popular. But that's, these guys are long gone, recorded a long time ago. Other people sing those songs. They're, they're not quite as good. Have you noticed, you know, and I think there's something, uh, <laughs> Jose is asking, what's that Christmas song sung by Alvin and the chipmunks. I know which one you're talking about, and that should be banned. I'm on board with that. Yes, we agree. You guys agree? You Are you in favor of that song? Uh, this is uh, Hot Chocolate Jose, as his nickname is. Yeah, I'm actually, I like that song. It's you like okay. the Alvin and the Chipmunks version? Christmas, Christmas time is here. That one. Yeah. You know what I'm done with? And some people don't like it, but I'm, I'm done with Feliz Navidad. I'm done with that one. Like, we can wait a couple of years on that one. Feliz Navidad. Feliz. I, I'm just done with that song. Are you not, you're not agreeing with that one? You like that one? See, people disagree. It's an interesting thing. What? Yeah. I mean, that one's all right. I can see when it does start to get annoying after a little while. It gets really annoying. You know, I'm all for the 12 days of Christmas if you start on day 12 and just run all the way back and then you're done. That song can get very long, you know, if you just, uh, you know, boy, I'm in a cynical mood today. <laughs> I don't mean to be, folks, and, uh, you know, I think it's the rain, and it is all of the discussion of uh, of uh, what's happening out there. Remember last year we started to get all this rain, and they said it's a bomb cyclone. That's the term that was – I'd never heard that before. And then suddenly last year we had all that rain, and they called it atmospheric rivers. There's another atmospheric river coming in, Bob. And Atmospheric river? Who came up with that? That's – and so I thought, do they just make these up? And I made this joke the other day with uh, Dave – on our little pre-show uh, interview, some of you hear that. And I said, we just need to make our own up. And I said, let's call it a sky tsunami. This year, we're going to have a sky tsunami. So that's what's going on outside. And I thought I was making all this up. And then you turn on the news, and they called it this. This is for real. A hydrologic impact event. We're having, I think, that, I don't know why, that just uh, 
it just bugs me. Hydrologic impact event. That's what's going on outside. It's raining. 888-528-2557. Ted in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, Ted City of the Angels. Hi, Ted. You staying, uh, staying dry out there, or are you out in the middle of it? Oh, I love it. I love it. It cleans the streets, you know, any kind of animal feces or people urinated. It just cleans Okay, it. yes. Yes, it does probably clean things up a little bit, and we need that here in uh, SoCal. We need it. We need it. It's God's way of cleaning everything. So, but at any rate, um, I don't think anything should be banned. I think you should just change the station. And then, you know, when their ratings go down, they get the message. And, uh, you know, I just, we live in a free society, you know, and we want freedom of speech. Uh, even if I don't want to hear some of the stuff people say, um, I, I, it's good to listen to it. So then we know uh, what they're saying and uh, know where their level is. Oh, guess what? Did you hear the latest? Uh, they uh, they are not having a nativity scene in the White House because they they failed to find three wise men. Ah, all right, uh, very funny, Ted. <laughs> all right, Ted, have a. I bet that joke's been around for fifty years. That one right there. It is. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, <laughs> I bet that is a uh, long time bipartisan joke. Uh, right there. Hey, Ted, uh, have a Merry Christmas uh, and uh, Happy New Year to you. Thanks for listening to the Pastor Scott Show. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. Um, you can call in and ask see if there's a Christmas song you're just done with. But uh, when we come back, maybe I'll, I'll talk about one that uh, just hit me a little differently this year. Um, and I'm not really sure why, but uh, I like it. And I think that happens, too. I think sometimes there's an old song, and uh, you never really cared about it much, and then all of a sudden it hits differently, either because of circumstances or maybe it's the first time you listened. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We, you can follow me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and X, or Twitter, at Pastor Scott Show. Just look up at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Well, there it is. You found it. You found it, Jose, the Chipmunks version of uh, whatever this song is. I guess it's just theirs, right? I don't know. We're talking about songs that should be banned. <laughs> but that's your, that's your, do you like that? That's your favorite? I guess no, it's I, peaceful. I that song. You despise that. So we have, yes. we, JJ is in today. That's and definitely at my number one list. That's number one that needs to go, that song. But Jose says, no, that's, this is a good song. See, he played the animated Alvin and the Chipmunks uh, version. In the live action movie, I think it sounds a little better. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll have to check that out. Uh, you know, it wasn't really on my Christmas movie list. But uh, maybe it should be. All right, 888-528-2557, In the Scriptures, God tells us to sing a new song to the Lord. And I like that because I think God does get bored with songs too. It's like, stop singing the same thing to me all the time and sing something else. But I also think that there are certain songs that stick around because they have so much meaning. They they have a lot of weight. Most songs don't skip around. There are songs that uh, you might've been singing in church 10 or 15 years ago, the kind of you sang every week and now they're gone. You never sing them again. Um, maybe at a church camp or something. And most of the hymns that are in your old hymn book, you're never going to sing them again. They're long gone. Nobody knows them. Nobody sings about them. I actually found a hymn one time that sell from 1946 that celebrated and praised God for the atomic bomb, which 
<laughs> you know, I guess <laughs> it ended the war and people stopped going. We praised God for the technology. I don't think you can sing that song now with any uh, anything. A song that hit me differently this year, we sang it in church last week, was Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You know, that's going to be around forever, right? Hark the Herald Angels Sing. There's probably versions of it that uh, maybe people have, have disappeared, but the, the lyrics in that song and the, that song itself is going to be sung. You know, Silent Night, always going to be sung. Away in a Manger, always going to be sung. Uh, and for some reason, though, and I like the song, I like all those songs, but Hark the Herald Angels Sing hit me differently. I don't know why. Uh, and uh, Jose's asking, was the song called Atomic Atom Bomb Baby? <laughs> I need to look that up. It's probably better than that uh, that uh, lefty version of uh, what's that song that just came out with John Legend and Kelly Clarkson. They sing it well, but they take uh, they take that song that was banned. Remember that? what's the song? A baby, it's cold outside. They banned that song a few years ago, and they came out with another version of it that's uh, I don't even know what to say. They sing it well though. I'll have to talk about that another time because I do want to get to this here. Uh, hark, the herald angels sing. Hark is a word we need to bring back. Hark, right? We, nobody says that anymore. But it means pay special attention to this, right? It means what I'm about to say, pay attention, all right? The herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. The A lot of the old songs are rich in doctrine and theology. And I think this is why this hit me so much differently this year, is that we really need to understand. And I think I think 2024 is probably going to be a difficult year for a lot of reasons, you know, culturally. And just the divisions that we have and other things. But I think also Christianity will be in question. There's a movie coming out that's going to question Christianity. There's some other things happening. And, and I'm wondering how well are we prepared for that as Christians? And the best way to be prepared for navigating anything, actually, and I know this sounds just like some a preacher would say, but you got to know your Bible, but not just know parts that you like, or not just know certain verses here and there that give you encouragement and draw you nearer to the Lord. That's really great. Those things are important. But the Word of God together, you know, people who really study the Bible, if you're going to take time to really actually read through the Bible this year and do that, and you re- if you really do it, you are going to learn so much, and you're going to learn about what God is really doing. It will give you all kinds of hope to really have a connection with what the Word of God is about, what the entire story of history is about, from Genesis to Revelation, to understand that story. God and sinners reconciled. You sing in the song, do you understand that? That God and sinners, you know, who was the enemy? The enemy was us. We were, we were not reconciled to God. And we are now through Jesus Christ because of the newborn king. And joyful, all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies with the angelic host proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. All nations can be joyful. You know, all nations are not joyful, right? I don't know how many nations are joyful. You know, there's some study out there that says, oh, the Swiss have the, are the happiest people. Really? Uh, you know, maybe it's all that cheese and the holes in it. I don't know why, but... Uh, I'm not sure that that's not even joy. Joy is because of triumph, the triumph of Christ, the triumph that's being announced of Christ coming into this world to be with us. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king, 
Christ by heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh and Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Now you might have to go look up those words. You should go look them up. Take the time to do that. Pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Remember what uh, they, uh, Isaiah said about what they will call Jesus? Emmanuel. The angel says this in Matthew 1. You will call his name Emmanuel, which means Christ be with us. You know, it matters a lot that God was with us, that Jesus is not a religious figure, a religious guru. He's not the founder of some religion who comes to us to tell us how he has interpreted what the meaning of life is. He's the one who said, I'm the meaning of life. It's totally different than any other religious leader, Jesus. Did you know? He came to be with us. God with us is the idea, which is always the idea in Scripture, by the way, from the time of the garden to the time at the end of Revelation. It's God with us. And then Jesus comes to be with us, pleased to be with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. And do you realize how profound that is and how different that is than any other religious thought, that it's not a guy who showed up and says, I'm going to tell you what uh, I learned because I had a vision or because I found something and I interpreted it about God or the universe. No, he came and said, I'm going to tell you this because I am he, because uh, the world was created through me and by me, and I and the Father are one, and no one comes to the Father but by me. I mean, if, if Jesus isn't who he said he was, then he's crazy. Right? If, if you know somebody today saying that kind of stuff, they're crazy, and no one's going to remember them after too long. And they're certainly not coming up out of their grave three days later. And we shouldn't even recognize Jesus historically, because there's been a lot of people who've said that they're God. And uh, the thing is, is that they die and they don't come back. That's it. And then nobody remembers them, mostly. Sometimes we learn about them because we dig up a old newspaper that somebody chiseled on a rock uh, but otherwise, they're completely gone. They have no followers, no worshipers, nothing. Jesus does. He's the most influential person in all of history, and it's because he is who he said he was. It's because these words about the triumph in the skies and joyful all ye nations rise, the things that we sing about in this song, how well do we know this? You know, How well do we have comfort from how the Bible tells us everything works? You know, I think that we... And if I could just challenge us a little bit, sometimes we are so surfacy on our faith, meaning that we kind of know the basics or we know maybe something really well. I know people who can tell you every possible theory about the second coming of Christ. And I mean, they can get into all the details of different theories, different ideas, different prophecies, what they mean or what they might mean or what they don't mean. And they're really good at it and they can teach a class and they're great at it. And then sometimes though, you ask the same person, well, why did Jesus come the first time? And they can barely get it out. And, you know, we got to know why he came the first time. You know, the end time stuff, you know, we have great comfort that God keeps his promises and those prophecies will be fulfilled. And uh, that's going to happen, whether it happens in our time frame or, or hundreds of years from now, we don't know. But you got to know why he came now. And there's so much great comfort for that. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. You know where that comes from? Mild he lays his glory by, born that we no more may die, born to raise us from earth, born to give us second birth. That's Hark the Herald Angels Sing. See, that song is so rich in doctrine and theology. Don't just sing it. In fact, if you 
are thinking about it later today, go look up that song. Go look up the words and what it means. Or if you sing it in church on Christmas Eve, or maybe you got a Christmas Eve, Christmas service. Maybe you go to maybe your Christmas Eve service is on Saturday. Sunday's Christmas Eve. Saturday is Christmas Adam. And some churches have services on Christmas Adam, and some have Christmas Eve. I can't get the churches to call it Christmas Adam. I would like them to. And if you don't understand that, you can you'll you'll get that later. You might have to pull the car over and laugh. But uh, whenever you go, if you sing this song, really pay it or other ones. Really pay attention to the words. There's a few songs where the words are a little iffy about uh, you know Christmas time, but this one is super good. And there is so much comfort, especially in a world that's that's nutty, especially in a world where there are things coming that seem so confusing. How can people think that? How can people support this? How can people be? Well, it's not that crazy. It's all crazy, but it's not surprising if you know what the scriptures say together. If you're thinking of something for New Year's, you're thinking of reading the Bible, you're not really sure how, here's another way to do it. Rather than a Bible in a year or a Bible in two years, I've seen those. I even saw a three-year Bible one time. Take it three years to get through it. There's another version. You can get on your Bible app or you can find it. There's a curriculum out there. It's the Bible in 90 days. Imagine you read the whole Bible and by the end of March, you've read the whole thing. You know, if you've read the whole Bible, then you've done and you've read more than most Christians, actually. Imagine how your faith will grow if you just read through it. Now, you don't have time to study a lot when you're going that fast. So you're going to go through things that you don't really understand. Just keep going. You can come mark it, come back to it later to study. But you get a great story. You read all this stuff in Isaiah about Jesus being born of a virgin, and then a couple of days later, you're reading the same thing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There is a Christmas story in John. I'll probably get to that later. Maybe you missed it, but it's there. Um, But it's fascinating to read the Bible that way. And then you read, oh, Jesus is quoting that. Where did I hear that? Oh, a couple of days ago, I read that in uh, Isaiah. And you really see world history and the story of Christ and the story of what God is doing come together. You can't do that if you don't get into the Word. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast of this and every hour by looking for the Pastor Scott Show wherever you get your podcast. Just click subscribe. You can also follow me right now on social media, Instagram, X, and Facebook. Look for at Pastor Scott Show, at Pastor Scott Show. We will be back and talk about some of the news of the day as the Wednesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com